Spiritual warfare in the man of God's life. And the fact that you guys are here seeking the Lord says your desire is to be men of God, right? You want to be men who follow God. I think that's awesome. Just on the collateral, when God looks down and sees a group of men in a place like this gathering with a heart to want to know him, and want to be men after his heart, like David, I think he honors that. And so, uh, let's pray. Father, we, we do come to you and say we want to be men who are after your heart in pursuit of you, desiring to align with you to be your disciples and to call you Lord in the true meaning of what Lordship is. And so we ask your help, Lord, grace now to teach us, Lord, to continue to work among us through your word and by your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. And uh, in verse 23, that's where we're going to start. It's got a couple different scriptures, but I wanted to start here, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, because it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Now, that is God's heart for us. As we come as men wanting to be men of God, His heart is our God. Our God of peace wants to set us apart. That's what sanctifying means, right? We understand that. To, to set us apart for Him, not partially, but completely. And I love what Daniel was sharing about uh, not being content with just like most of the sheep we, we destroyed, except for some of the real good ones and everything but King Agag. He wants to completely set you and I apart for his purposes. And so he goes on to say, may your whole, which goes along with complete sanctification, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus is coming back, right? Amen. Anybody got that? Is anybody here in Israel? I'm trying to bring the Yala. You didn't go to Israel? It was like, Yala! And then sometimes it would be like, Yala, la, 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 la. So, yeah, Johnny knows. He knows the lingo. <laughs> I highly recommend the Israel trip, by the way. It was really amazing. Um, sorry, I rabbit trailed a little bit there. But, your whole spirit, soul, and body preserved blameless. Jesus is returning. And when he returns, his intention for us is that we be preserved, kept, sanctified, set apart, and completely and wholly preserved, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know the doctrine. There's no way for that to happen other than being in Christ, right? There's no, but we're already toast and done as far as sin. But the best we could bring on our best day is filthy rags, right? But we can be completely blameless in Christ by being in Christ and staying in Christ. And so our whole spirit, soul, and body can be preserved blameless. And he who calls you, it says, is faithful. Do you believe he's faithful today to do that work? You know, he who begun a good work is what? Faithful to complete it. These are the words God uses to give us hope and encouragement. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. So 
That's our God. And the main reason I wanted to point out this scripture is that it shows us that we are made up, in a sense, of three parts, just like God is. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are, did you notice? Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Those are three different things, aren't they? I think we can understand the difference between body and, and spirit, but what, what is soul? Sometimes it's hard to discern and distinguish. What is the difference between our soul and our spirit? And I want to just propose to you that our soul is the battleground where the war is being waged. Our soul is the battleground between the flesh, we all live in bodies of flesh, and then fallen. So our soul is the battleground between the flesh and the spirit. We, we live in these bodies, riddled with sin, fallen and broken, but God's original design for you, for me, for us, is to be spiritually alive with him. <clears throat> and you know because of sin, we're spiritually dead until that moment when, as God knocks on the door of our heart, he doesn't kick the door in like SEAL Team 6, all tactical. He knocks, and he says, whoever what, opens, he comes in. And when that happens, we go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. Romans 8, 10, you could write that down if you want. Uh, it says that the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. We're given life in the spirit of God as he comes and dwells in our hearts and gives us the righteousness that is Christ. And then it goes on in Romans 8, 11 to say, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, does the Spirit of Jesus raise, uh, does He dwell in you as Christians? Yeah. And if that's the case, then He who raised Christ from the dead, listen to this, this isn't a maybe, this is, He will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit. Who dwells in you. Okay, so that's really helpful. We live in mortal bodies, temporary bodies, bodies of flesh. And there's a promise from our God that if Jesus dwells in us, he will give us life, that spiritual life, within these mortal bodies. It's not just that we're waiting to get to heaven and then we're going to be spiritual. We can be filled with his spirit here and now. And that's what I love about what God's doing in his church. Uh, just this fresh work of his spirit as we <coughs> seek him, as we are gathering together in prayer and fasting as we're gathering together to muster as men. And so in a sense, we can say that the spiritual battle is between the fallen flesh and the Spirit of God. Both are wanting to reign in our soul. Both are wanting the throne, right? And that's what we loved about the week of prayer and fasting. It's turning all... This was... I got this language from Rob and I just loved it, so I, I, I took it. He said, it's turning all the dials down, all the dials of the flesh so that we can turn the dial to hear God up. Just lean in and bend our ear to say, Lord, I'm listening. We could say our soul is sort of like a blank canvas, if you would, that is and can be affected by many different things that could influence it. Um, let me just talk about the difference between soul and spirit for a moment. Uh, maybe it even helps to think of how we use it in our language. When you say someone is an old soul, what do you mean? 
that person is demonstrating a characteristic of maturity beyond their years, right? When you say someone is soulmates, you're, you're saying that these two people, that the characteristics, who they are, goes together really well. Well, they say opposites attract, and so usually that doesn't mean they're the same, it just means they mesh really well, they blend together in a, in a wonderful way. So that maybe that helps to understand, so when we say someone sold his soul to the devil, what we mean is someone gave their, their, their character, their earthly life over to evil in such a way that they threw caution to the wind just for a morsel of bread sort of thing, right? They, just for whatever temporary benefit they thought they were going to receive, they gave themselves wholly over to great evil. So maybe that helps us to understand when we talk about soul, it's the part of us, a little different than spirit, but our soul has more to do with the life that we now have on this earth. You know, the, the literal word for our soul is, is talking about, in part, it's talking about that life when the life leaves. It's talking about the soul departing, the life that's in our body. Um, but it's also talking about the characteristics that make you and I uniquely us. The spirit has more to do with the immortal spirit within us that lives for eternity. And sometimes I think we don't realize that. We talk about eternal life and we think eternal life is only heaven. But as we read the Bible, we realize there is another kind of eternal life, right? Forever and ever their torment arises. The smoke of their torment. Forever is, well, it's forever, right? So there is eternal life in both senses. There's a spirit within us that goes on. And one is to great reward in Jesus Christ. And eternal joy, eternal life. And another is the regret and the anguish of being in forever in outer darkness. Being, being absent of our Creator and the joy that he created us to, to, to know him and enjoy him for eternity. And so, soul and spirit. Two, two different things, similar, but there are things that are sort of stitched within our souls that are there by design, by our designer. We, we sometimes call it DNA, right? There's things that make you uniquely you and me uniquely me and the just differences among all the men in this room. Uh, not every man has the same personality traits, right? Not everybody has the same tastes or preferences. Some, some guys might like hunting better. Some guys might like fishing better. Some guys might like football or baseball or basketball. We have different preferences for things. Uh, some guys might be more archery hunters. Some guys might be rifle hunters. Some guys might have mechanical inclinations that are, are that lend themselves to to like auto mechanics and fabrications. Some guys might have uh, like computer mechanic skills, or some guys might have uh, skills that are just there. You guys, if if you if you understand rhythm, like you kind of either have it or you don't, right? <laughs> and. If you don't have rhythm, we talk about like you can't carry a tune in a bucket. <laughs> God just puts stuff there, right? And and there's things that are just kind of part of our DNA stitched into the fabric of who we are. And 
these character traits that are just there already, they can be used for good or evil, can't they? What God's given us, well, if we acknowledge that it's from God, we can take it and do something that glorifies Him with it, something good with it. Um, but it can also use, be used for bad. Just for example, if you have a stubborn tendency, that's, that's something that can be really good if you're stubborn against sin, right? But really bad if you're stubborn against wisdom. So we could say that our soul is a canvas, in a sense, that determines who we are. Partly DNA, but then there's another part that is sort of more like a blank canvas. And, and the way we live our life sort of determines what's painted on that canvas. And I believe that God wants to fill our lives with His Spirit in a way that what is painted is in the image of our God. That we're more and more setting aside the things of the fleshly man and more and more becoming the men who live and walk in the Spirit of God. The flesh, and along with Satan's help, would like us to use this canvas of the soul for, for temporary evil. But the Spirit of God, our God, He wants to set us apart and use it for good. And each of us have that opportunity. And again, I just want to reiterate what we've been hearing. I really believe it's the Spirit that is telling us, do not let Satan condemn you for your past and, think, and, and cause you to think that God cannot forgive you or heal you or set you free or use you. Because that's just not the gospel, is it? We believe the gospel. It's good news. It's good news that God can take a life, no matter how messed up and dark, and He can bring healing. He can bring restoration. It, it says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Why? Because that's what God does. That's what, it's, that's what He's good at. His business is reconciliation. So He can bring us into a right relationship with Him. Galatians 5.16, an amazing scripture. It says, walk in the Spirit and... You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You probably all have heard that, right? But walk in the Spirit talks about a, a consistency. A, you know, Daniel was talking about spiritual disciplines. And there is a difference between the wisdom of spiritual disciplines, understanding that our flesh, we don't want to underestimate it, as he said, and, and legalisms. And just there's a wisdom and having a rhythm, a spiritual rhythm to our life where we say, if I walk in the Spirit, then I find that I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Did you guys find that during the fasting week? Yeah. All of a sudden, you're tuned in to the Spirit of God. <clears throat> Beautiful things are happening during that week. It says that the flesh lusts against the Spirit. You've got to realize, we're talking about warfare. What's happening? One is fighting, violently opposed to the other. The flesh... Lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. That's why I say they're both wanting to reign on the canvas of our lives where our soul, who we are, who we become, what our life looks like. God wants that. And these, it says, these are contrary to one another. They want different things entirely. Make no mistake. Entirely. They're diametrically opposed to one another, the flesh and the spirit. So that you cannot do the things that you wish. And that's talking about the man of God who says, I, I don't want to be 
just a, a low-life loser, sin, sinner, crust of bread kind of man. I want to be a man who's, who's will able to humble myself before God and confess my sin and turn from it and turn to my God and be restored and be sanctified and be used by my God. That's what we want, right? And the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another so that we don't do the things that we wish. That is the desires that God puts in us intrinsically what we're created for in the spirit. So the first thing, that's just the first point. Our soul is the battleground between the flesh and the spirit. Second, spiritual warfare is a reality, right? We're, we're not, that's one of the biggest lies, I think, in our culture, especially. You go to other places, like we talked about India, we do missions in India. They're, they're not confused about that reality there. <clears throat> one of Satan's favorite tricks is to, is to get us to think that it's some fable, you know, imagine the devil as this guy in red tights with a little tail and a pitchfork and pointy horns and, and like he's just a joke. But it is a reality that, that the, the kingdom of God and the, and the spiritual life and, that, and then the, the, the devil and his fallen angels and the, and the kingdom of spiritual darkness. And, and so it's a reality and it's a reality that literally is happening around us all of the time, but we can't we can't literally see it, right? Um, there may be some exceptions. Rory was giving some examples of things like that, and, and sometimes that happens. But I guess I could say most of the time we don't we don't see it, unless it's like Elijah, Lord, show him, show him the armies of God, <coughs> those who are with us, or more than those who are against us. But you know what we do see? We do see the effects don't we, of the spiritual battle. Or we could say we see the fruits. If we're sowing to the flesh, we're sowing to the spirit. We see the fruits of those things. And, and the, the effects are either everlasting life or corruption. You probably know the verse I'm, I'm talking about, right? Galatians 6, 8. He who sows to his flesh, what does he reap? Corruption. And that word is, is talking about death and decay. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap what? Everlasting life. Everlasting life. That is the life that is accompanied by the fruits of the Spirit. We can see the effects or the fruits. And so when we're talking about spiritual warfare, we want to be able to look at our own lives and examine ourselves, as the Bible says, and, and see, are, are we in the faith? Are there fruits of the Spirit in my life? How's the spiritual battle going? Don't you think it's good to be able to tell the temperature of when you're in a fight? Isn't it good to have a, you know, like you just, the boxing, you think of the guy, you know, old Mick over there telling Rocky, like, hey, you need to do this, or you need to do that. You're a bomb. You know, and like all this good stuff. And he tells them what's going on, and someone with an outside perspective, but we need to come before the Lord and say, How, how's it going, Lord? Am I, am I seeing the fruits of the Spirit? Or am I seeing the works of the flesh? And we know you know, the fruits of the Spirit, things in our life like love, joy, and peace. We probably need a little more of that in our lives, huh? How about long-suffering? Ever run short of patience? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, just being steadfast as men. Gentleness and self-control. Now here's the thing, it says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I think that Fasting accompanied with prayer is kind of like crucifying flesh, right? It's kind of like telling the flesh, mm -mm, you, you don't reign here. 
you don't tell me what to do. I was bought with a price, and my reasonable service is to say, Lord, you should be on the throne. And it says that those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, if you find life in the Spirit, the moments when you walk in the Spirit, you find life. Amen. Hallelujah. Yalla. Yeah. We find life. If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, so a good question for us to ask ourselves, am I sowing to the Spirit? Am I walking in the Spirit? We, we should examine ourselves and regularly ask that. And even just having brothers just be like, man, let's, let's encourage each other in those things. And, and especially if we see corruption, if we see works of the flesh, you know, it says they're evident. There's sexual sins, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. There's carnal sins that just like trying to escape things or, or just deal with the difficulty of life in ways that we turn to drugs and alcohol, the word sorcery, is pharmakia, it has to do with abuse of substances and revelries and drunkenness. There's, there's all those works in the flesh. There are all the wrong heart attitudes that don't align with the Lord. And things like hatred and contentions, jealousies and outbursts of rash, wrath. Anybody, you know, like that's, I think, one that hits close to home is men. Sometimes we can just rage out, right? Outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, and murders. And he says that, uh, just as I told you before, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So these are, these are opposed to the eternal and everlasting life and the life of the Spirit that the Lord wants to give us. They're a corruption of what God intended for us, spirit, soul, and body. So the spiritual battle is going on all the time, and, and the spiritual battle is fought with what kind of weapons? Spiritual weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, right? So are we using the weapons that God has given us, such as prayer and fasting? I love Rory's sweatshirt. Uh, can you stand up and show us the back of your sweatshirt, Rory? I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. <laughs> If you're offended, go sit in the truck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pray fast Bible. Those are some good bullet points. Like he said, there's a lot more, but it's hard to fit them all on a sweatshirt. But those are some solids, right? Those are some solids. Literal bullet points. That uh, prayer, fasting, and the Word of God. Are we using those weapons? Uh, you know, walking in the Spirit is a rhythm uh, of our Christian lives. And I know, you know, none of us are immune to getting, finding ourselves apathetic or in a place where, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not spiritually healthy or, or staying as consistently in my walk with the Lord, my time in prayer, my time in the Word, using fasting and all those sorts of things. You know, pastors, elders, none of us are immune to that. And this is, this is the same for all of us. We're all just men who need God men who need God. And so we need these rhythms, healthy rhythms of life, our Christian lives. If, if you guys, you know, as far as exercise, going to the gym or going on a run, but you know, I, I know that I had to learn, I don't have a conversation with myself. Am I going to go out and go on a run or do this exercise? 
you don't want to ask your flesh if you want to do that. You just do it. It will. It seems like there's a saying like that, right? <laughs> just do it. <laughs> and you just put your shoes on and step out the door, right? And every time when you're done, I don't think anyone ever says, man, I wish I didn't do that. I regret having gone for that run and done that exercise. Every time, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I did that. If I had had that conversation, I would have said, not doing it. It's that way I really think. Uh, we, we don't want to let our, our feelings or emotions, I know there's a buzzwords at a men's conference, but we might have like a half a feeling, and a little, little, little tiny emotions, but we don't want to let those tell us, do you want to be in the spiritual rhythm to pray, to fast, and to get in the word? We just, just do it. And we find that that, that discipline, that just that value of that truth is consistent in our lives to help us in spiritual life. Um, you, as I said, you probably noticed during the prayer and fasting week, turning the, the dials, you could hear God better. You, you were more in tune with the Spirit. You were less controlled by the flesh. And so in some sense, let's not overcomplicate it and realize that there is a sense in which spiritual warfare is simply Satan's attempt to get us in the flesh. He has a lot to work with, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean... Our flesh wants to do all the stuff that he's trying to like throw in the fishing lure out there. Like, come on, come on, come on, bite it. Kyle and I went ice fishing in Cascade, and he has a little thing. It's called a Markham. Anyone know what that is? It's like a flasher type fish finder. And it's so cool to watch that because I told him it's kind of like elk hunting when you're calling an elk because you can read the body language of those fish and you know exactly how to just come on, come on, bite it. Big jigs, you know, like little tiny jigs. Drop it down and work the bottom a little bit. And there's just some te techniques. And that's what Satan's doing. He's like, come on, what, what do I got to do to get you to bite this? He has a lot to work. He's just trying to get us in the flesh. If he can get us in the flesh, game over, right? And so, let's understand that just on a, on a, on a, just on a simple level. And, and think how he tempted Jesus. And we're just about done here, guys. So stick with me. But think how he tempted Jesus three times. How did he, he wanted to get him to react in the flesh instead of responding in the Spirit. And if we think about the word react versus respond, we don't want to be reactors. We want to be those who respond because react is an emotional decision in, in the moment. Oftentimes we have regrets. To respond is something that we've slowed down and we've thought about what we're going to say or what we're going to do and we responded. And that's how Jesus, such an awesome example, three times... He responded in the spirit. Satan said, hey, you guys, we just got done with a week of prayer and fasting. Jesus fasted for 40 days and nights, and it says afterwards he was hungry. Do you think? <laughs> I mean, and he's also God. Let's remember that. He says, hey, I know you're hungry. Why don't you just turn these stones into bread? Just use your God power for your own selfish purposes. If I could just get you in the flesh. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. He used the word of God, right? Hey, if you're really who you say you are, if, if you're really the son of God, I mean, come on, you really believe that? Throw yourself down. Isn't it written? He even takes the word and tries to put this twist on it. you got to know the word. In order to say, like, no, no, no. You need to read the other parts. <laughs> and that's why Jesus said, it's written. That's a temple word. 
That that was sort of an appeal to his pride, right? Prove it. Prove it if you're really who you say you are. That's a, that's a fleshly thing. Hey, hey, Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. You want these kingdoms the easy way? Just bow down to me. Don't do the hard work of the cross. But Jesus knew, I didn't come for the world. I came to save the people in the world. And I don't, I don't need the kingdoms of the world. The only way I can save the people of the world is to go to the cross. But he throws that in front of him. All three times Jesus responds in the spirit using the wisdom of God's word. You know, it's really hard to respond with the word if we don't know the word. Isn't it? Really hard. Does anybody else here appreciate just kind of the the fun of, or we could say vigilance and readiness of tactical practice? You know, in it may be with guns and weapons like that, since we're going to go shoot here in a little bit and kind of have fun with that. But we enjoy that so that we might be prepared as men for the potential critical moments we may be faced with. It's, it's enjoyable to think about, okay, what's, what's, my, what's my everyday carry going to be? What am I going to pick? What, what holster do I want? What, what's going to be the best holster? And then to go through the process of, like, what's the process of where am I going to carry it? And, and what's the draw process? And, you know, just grip and center mass and combat, front sight, target acquisition and the right kind of trigger pull, everything, right? You've got to upgrade that trigger too. Right? We enjoy that stuff. It's fun, isn't it? How about any archery hunters here? You know that moment when you're at full draw? If you're an archery hunter, you've messed it up enough times to know. You don't slap that trigger. You don't just kind of have it on the side of the animal and like, that'll do, send it. <laughs> you learn from those mistakes and you, I had my good friend Jeremy Johnson, he wrote a book. He was going to come, but he couldn't. But I, there's something he said in there that I love. I think it applies to us here as men. And he talked about the, the shot, what we call the shot sequence, from your stance, your grip on your bow, to your draw, the muscles you use to draw, your anchor points, your process of sighting, and the release and follow-through needs to all be committed to subconscious. You practice enough that when you find yourself at full draw, when everybody loses their cool, you can have ice water in your veins, and you go, you are not going to slap that trigger. Trigger. <laughs> you slap yourself around. Like, no, don't do it. <laughs> you just take enough time to settle in, and sort of, with a focused fire, you send that arrow and put it on the mark. And then you also know, if you've disciplined yourself to that, when that arrow hits the mark, it is so rewarding, isn't it? So rewarding. Now, are we that way with prayer, the word of God and fasting? Or is it something foreign to us? Can we be ready and vigilant? Look, we just talked about it. it's a reality happening all around us all of the time. You know you're in a fight. You don't want to be sleeping, right? Are we vigilant and ready as we need to be. We can't respond with the word or prayer or fasting unless we train 
and use these things and get comfortable and know what that's like. You know, and, and here's the thing. There are certain strongholds that cannot be defeated, certain doors that cannot be opened, Jesus said, except by prayer and fasting. You remember how he said this. One of the places was Mark 9, 29. Why can't we cast this demon out, Lord? This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. There are certain doors that cannot otherwise be unlocked without taking the spiritual weapons we've been giving and putting them into practice and being vigilant and watchful with those. Another really valuable scripture for us concerning this is that we all with unveiled face are beholding God, the glory of the Lord, and we are being transformed into His image by the Spirit of the Lord. So, another one of these things, it's, this is not just some religious ceremonial practice that we do, you know, with things like prayer and the Word of God and fasting. That, that would be useless. There's a, there's a lot of people that fast and and pray in a sense, and they have ideas of God, but they're not really connecting with their God, their Creator. There's apps for fasting. There's all sorts of things that you know people talk about all the health benefits, and and there's people who fast and pray to other gods. But but there is praying to our God, spending time, legitimately spending time in the presence of our Creator, our King, our God, our Savior, and as we do that, we're transformed. That's what we need, isn't it? Transformation. We need to be transformed from beings who live in the flesh, carnal beings, fallen in sin, to those who have been redeemed and sanctified and given eternal life, to walk it out with the rhythm of life and to literally walk with the Lord in the Spirit, transformed by the Spirit of the Lord. We need the Spirit of the Lord. And so these fruits, there's something that's partly realized now, the fruits, the things that we see when we look at the spiritual battle, they're, they're realized in part now. You know, we're definitely going to realize them fully when we get to heaven, but, but when we sow to the Spirit, we enjoy fruits of the Spirit, like God using us. Isn't it exciting to think, like, man, if I grow as a, a man in spiritual life, God can use me. Like God showing us His heart and even giving us gifts to carry out His will within the unique and individual giftings that you are given as part of the body of Christ. Each of us doing our share. Fruits like God giving us understanding. When we open the Bible, how many of you have said before, like, I, yeah, I read my Bible, I just don't get anything out of it, or heard that said. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. This is a spiritual battle. Unless we sit before God, with God, communing with Him, we can't... Uh, I have understanding. So God gives us that understanding as we read it. Fruits like becoming men, the men that he created us to be for our wives and for our children's to be the husbands, fathers, and men in his image that he desires. And you know what it takes? We have to come before him and, and humble ourselves before him. Rob, they call their week of prayer and fasting humble because you see that necessity within prayer and fasting so much throughout the scriptures. And so we, we said the same thing. It's like this is our humble week of prayer and fasting that we we are trying to humble ourselves before God. And if if I, if you, if we will humble ourselves before God, you know what will happen? God will begin to fill you and fill me with his spirit. He will begin to use you 
and use me for the purposes of his kingdom. He will cleanse you from sins. He will break strongholds that you, maybe you've come to the end of yourself and, and all but given up and are so discouraged. You might be here today and maybe you're just so defeated and discouraged and the Lord's trying to encourage you saying, don't let Satan condemn you. Don't think that you're shelved or benched that there's no hope. But he's going to keep saying it. Listen to what the leper who humbled himself said to the Lord. Do you guys remember this leper who came and he said, if you're willing, Lord, if you're willing. First, the leper came and he worshipped him. It says in Matthew 8, you can write this down if you take notes. Matthew 8, 1 through 3 is a passage, but it's also in Luke and Mark. And I want to bring a couple aspects of both in. This is the last, last scripture. So, when he, when he came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him. He worshipped him. It says in Luke that he fell on his face and implored him. This was a guy who, isn't that humbling himself before the Lord? Why did he humble himself? He had leprosy. He had no hope unless Jesus helped him, unless Jesus healed him. It says in Luke that he was full of leprosy. Sometimes just being honest about the condition of our sin. Sometimes we're willing to admit, yeah, I got a little sin. He was full of leprosy. He had a legitimate problem. And he was humble enough to recognize and say, Lord, I am full of leprosy. And calling him Lord, that's, you know, lordship, that's worshiped. And he fell on his face before his Lord and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I know you have the power. It's just a matter of if, if you're willing. So, so there was some faith involved there too. But Lord, you can, you can cleanse me of this. Have you, have you gotten frustrated? Have you thought, like I've tried so many times and then I did well for a little while. And then back right to the same cycle, same pattern, same sins, plaguing me like leprosy. Decay and corruption. My flesh is having its way. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Guess what? Jesus, it says in Mark 1 41, was moved with compassion. It says that he put out his hand and touched him. And I just want you to sense the hand of the Lord reaching out to you with the compassion. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His hand is extending to you when you find yourself in that place. If you're willing to say, Lord, I'm full of leprosy. And I just bow before you and humble myself and say, I have found that I have no other hope. I cannot heal myself. I cannot fix this. Only you can fix this. And Jesus reaches out and he says, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Can I encourage you? Let's yield our soul to him. He created us spirit, soul, and body. He wants the spirit of God to have the throne of our heart and to paint a beautiful picture on the canvas that he created in each of us. Can we humble ourselves before him where we need to confess and repent of sin and even confess our needs? Sometimes we're men. We want to say, I pull myself up on my own bootstraps. I'm a self-made man. 
Just let it go. Just give it up. Just give it up. Let's fight the battle with the spiritual weapons we've been given. And let's enjoy the fruit of the Spirit in this battle. Lord, we just want to ask for your help. Lord, I just know that you love each man in this room. No one is unseen. No one is neglected or forgotten, Lord. And you are able to save to the uttermost, Lord, even the guttermost, those who call upon you, those who come to Christ Jesus. And so we just come to you, Lord. If anyone here is, is just down and discouraged and hopeless, Lord, we just pray you would, you would crush the enemy who is the, the liar, who's the condemner, and you would allow them to just embrace the conviction of your spirit that draws them to confession and repentance and a God who has paid the price and the blood of Jesus Christ, listen, is able to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. No matter what. How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven? No, Seventy times seven. God has more grace than you have trouble. Oh Lord, I just come to you in your, your goodness and your graciousness and we just pray that we be men who just go forth and are filled with your spirit, Lord. As we take time to reflect on these things, God, just be, just, just deeply impressed on our hearts the things that you've been speaking to us. I know we're individually in different places and we have different needs and you know those. Let your spirit just write on our hearts those things permanently, Lord. Let us take time to soak this, these things in, Lord and moved by your spirit. We thank you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, Amen. Amen. So, uh, I should have looked ahead on the schedule just a little bit. I thought lunch was at noon. It's at noon 30. So, keep going. But no, I'm just kidding. What a great word. Um, you know, in uh, both Daniel and Josh have referenced, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. And um, in the book that I'm reading by Kurt Payne and just his deliverance ministry that he has and just really uh, intense uh, meetings that he has with just people that love Jesus and have dark demonic stuff going on in their life where like demons are are talking to them and they're you know having these conversations with the demons and, and rebuking the demons and having them leave but um, kind of before his initial meeting with these folks that are just going through this these struggles uh, he has them look at um, Galatians uh, chapter 5 and he has them like highlight the works of the flesh that they're just in like bondage to, like what are those things that um, you would just highlight and just say these things just have control of me, and and then that helps just inform how they go to battle um, in just calling out just the wickedness and rebuking it, and so I would just encourage you guys over um, you know the next day and before we leave and even just tomorrow when you go home however you can get away and just spend that time in the Word. Uh, 
for those of you especially that this week you're just like, this is definitely for me, um, and I just need the Lord to bring breakthrough in these struggles, but I'm just going to read them real quick. Uh, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Um, and so just, you know, you may just spend some time just before the Lord confessing whatever ones or all of those that you're just like, I just haven't given these up to God. And I've let there be these footholds in my life um, concerning these things. You know, as uh, Josh was just talking right before we wrapped up about just, you know, when you give a little bit of that foothold and it's not total surrender. Um, I've got some family members that post a lot on social media and, you know, they go and they're at the country music jamboree or whatever, you know, and they're just having a time, nothing wrong with that. But uh, their shirt choice is like, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. You know, and um, and it's like, you know, I don't think it's that they're out on the farm, you know, and they step in the cow poop and they call it, you know, what farmers call cow poop, you know. I think it's like, I love Jesus, but I also have a filthy mouth, you know. And it's like, well, you're not loving Jesus then, you know. And you can just go ahead and erase the top part of that shirt, you know, it's just, I have a filthy mouth, you know, or whatever. And just whatever it is for us, though, that it's like, oh, you know, um, I love Jesus, you know. But um, what are some of these like? But I'm into, but I'm full of hatred. You know, it's not that cute, is it? <laughs> or I love Jesus, but I'm very lewd. You know, or I love Jesus, but um, I'm envious or murderous. You know, like they don't wear those to the country music jamboree. That's not, to, <laughs> you know. And so just, but whatever it is, it's like, no, I love Jesus, and I'm getting rid of this other stuff. And um, it's so crazy that um, that Daniel taught on uh, Saul and how when Saul didn't king the, kill the king of the Amalekites, that um, I love that the prophet Samuel's like, "Be quiet, and listen," you know. And he just has this phrase, and it's funny. Last night after I taught, I thought about it during the week, and I was like, "Oh, I missed it. I didn't say it during my sermon last night." And I was up here praying for a guy, and I'm like. I didn't get to say it, but, and it was what um, Samuel the prophet said, and Daniel got into it, and it was that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And you know, when I was going through that dark time I shared last night in middle school, that when I was in a rebellious time, um, and I would have my bed move at night, and something would sit on my bed, and I'd like be waiting for it, and it would like the springs, you'd hear the springs compress and the jolt. Some of you don't work here last night. Um, but when I was going through these really scary, just dark things happening in my bedroom, it was when I was in rebellion as a teenager, you know, a young teenager. And there was this battle in my life of if I was going to follow Jesus, and I might as well have been involved in witchcraft. You know, I might as well have been involved in sorcery. Like, if there's anything in our life where we're just like, no, like, you're wrong, God. I'm right. I'm going to do it my way. Anybody have you know teenagers right now? And I have one teenager. It's not the one that's here with us. Um, and, and like, I'll, 
you know, it happens to happen with Russell, and it was me when I was that age, you know, but you correct your teenager, and you're pretty firm in your correction, and there's like zero emotion, <laughs> zero remorse, zero, it happened yesterday at lunch, you know, and I'm just like, and this, and this, and this, and if you don't repent, this is what's going to happen, and it's like, hmm. you're like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, I've met my match, I think, you know, and, um, and then we have sweet conversations about the Lord, and you guys know, like, Lainey, and she loves the Lord, but, like, but what about when there's that little bit of rebellion, and it's the sin of witchcraft, my mom used to say that to me when I was going through those times, and she's like, Memorize it, Rory. <laughs> and then the next verse that Daniel read there was, um, and stubbornness is as the sin of idolatry. I love Jesus, but I am stubborn. And I love Jesus, but I don't hear what my pastors and elders say when they speak into my life because I'm stubborn. They're wrong. I'm not going to do it. And we're just trying to bring the Bible and like point you towards Jesus. Stubborn, not going to do it. You know, um, stubbornness is as the sin of idolatry. In one of our beginning verses that we just referenced out of Leviticus last night, set the tone for the rest of the Bible that when we go and worship idols, it's demonism. Like, it's just not cute. And so when we're stubborn against the Lord, you might as there's demonic roots in it. And so all of this just. What it does for me as we talk about it and think about it is like, sin's not cute. And it's not something to be messed with. It's not something to be trifled with. And we kind of like have these little like, you know, no big deal or whatever. And we let it go on in our brother's lives. And we don't confront them on it. We don't talk to them about it. Like, hey, I noticed, you know, you, know, you mentioned that you've been doing this. And like, so you're going to keep doing that or you going to stop? <laughs> You know, because Jesus doesn't want you to keep doing it. Like, we love each other enough to talk about this stuff with each other. And so, just good words about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, and then the fruit of the Spirit, you can go in on your own time and read that out of Galatians. But maybe if you really do feel like this weekend's for you and there needs to be breakthrough, like, read through those works of the flesh. And then those are things, like, the Lord will just show you what they are. Those are things we really need to be pressing in in you for deliverance. He wants to deliver you guys. He wants there to be freedom. And maybe you haven't found it with, um, you know, you're getting up early and you're praying, you know, or you're um, fasting. And you just, how come I still haven't beat it? And it's like, there's there's some warfare that needs to be, like, inner, you know, pressed in. Uh, we were talking about all the good, successful businessmen and, you know, just the great, um, successful generals and warriors are... You know, they're all men of discipline, you know, and you guys probably know I'm a big fan of Jocko Willing, you know, and just a great podcast, great books, and that guy's just all about discipline, former Navy SEAL, and um, and he uh, talks about how he wakes up at 4.30 every morning and uh, starts working out, works out at 4.30 every morning. His thing on Instagram is a picture of his Iron Man Timex watch at 4.30 in the morning, and he's working out every morning. And uh, his, his uh, slogan is, discipline equals freedom. But then he says, um, he quotes a, a warrior from the Korean War who said, uh, he wakes up early at 4.30 to get a jump on the enemy. And as a warrior, you get a jump on the enemy by getting up early, you know? And uh, so I've applied that to my life, waking up early to get a jump on the enemy. And 
Uh, one morning I woke up at 4.30 and I went out to my kitchen and uh, just like, getting my coffee going or whatever and like, getting a trap on the enemy. And I look kind of out of peripheral vision and I see uh, what looks like a dragonfly down on my floor. And I'm like, what? And then my glasses on. I'm like, get way down there. Then it was a scorpion on my kitchen floor. And I'd lived there for 10 years at that time. I'd never seen a scorpion anywhere around my house. And this sucker is just in my kitchen, in my house, in the dark, cruising around like he owns the place, you know? And it was like, but I got to jump on him. I was like, up early. I was like, oh, you know? And I was terrified. I didn't. <laughs> Step on it, it's gonna splatter everywhere. Get stuck to the bottom of my shoe. I need to like scrape a scorpion up. So I got in a, in a dustpan, and he's like hitting the dustpan, you know. And then I put him in a plastic bag, and he's hitting in the plastic bag. And then I send him to the Crick County landfill, and now he's gonna be someone else's no problem. But, uh, but I think there is great wisdom, though, in part of the tactics. Uh, being tactical is getting up really early. Before the houses, you know, got motion and movement, the kids are up and distracting, and we're just interceding, we're doing battle, we're praying, we're seeking the Lord, we're getting to jump on the enemy. So those are just a few thoughts, uh, different areas that have just been going across my mind that I wanted to have a chance to visit about. But uh, we'll cut you guys loose, and uh, we'll go have lunch. We'll make a few announcements uh, when we're in there in the uh, lunch hall regarding uh, shooting and the things like that. And sweatshirts and all of that. We'll make all those announcements when we get in there. But guys, stretch a bit. Find your seat at the table. Uh, Russell will have a high school table going on over there. And all you high schoolers, why don't you go get a table? Middle schoolers, go get a table. Um, we'll go eat together. Good. It was great. Yeah, it was awesome. It was 80 and sunny. But then there was like a tsunami. Like a first downpour. The rest of the time we were there. But it was okay because it's Hawaii. So. <laughs> yeah.